0: words of truth and love, in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. So yeah, this passage, I've been wrestling with it um, for nearly two weeks and I have no doubt I will continue to wrestle with it even after this morning. Um, So a couple of questions for you to start with. Have you ever been offended by something another person has said to you? Or flip that around. Have you ever been guilty of offending another person by something that you have said or done? If you live long enough, you can't really avoid um, offending someone or being offended. And it seems to be even more true these days with adverts on the television just showing us that people are just waiting for an excuse to be offended, especially when you consider all the offers of legal help Um, for accidents that aren't really your fault. There's times when it's difficult to know what to say to someone as well, in case we might be afraid of the response that might blast out our, our ears and pin them back against our head with the response. More than likely, we're all guilty of offending someone from time to time. We might not have meant to do it. We might not even be aware that we've done it. But when we do offend someone, the result is hard feelings of some sort and a gap in our relationship. And in our Bible reading this morning that we have just heard from Matthew, Jesus, I think, instructs us on how to deal with those times, whether intentional or not, when we've hurt someone. And we need to set it right. And I'm not just talking about times of divorce or times of adultery. It's times when we upset each other. And this includes our need to forgive those who've hurt us deeply, which, which isn't always easy and sometimes is beyond our abilities to forgive. Some hurts have to be given to God because it's beyond our human ability to go To the full extent of forgiveness. So in our passage, Jesus starts in verse 21 by saying, You have heard it said. And in this context, Jesus is, of course, referring to murder. And no doubt his listeners and many of us here this morning, if not all, will be thinking about the physical act of taking someone's life that we often see in Midsummer Murders or other detective programmes. In fact, most of us are sitting here thinking, well, this this doesn't apply to me. I've never killed anybody else. I've never murdered anybody. As the audience continues to listen, Jesus adds a little bit of a twist, as he often does. But I say to you, there's that word, but. Which when Jesus says that, it usually means watch out, because something is coming. There's more than one way to murder someone. There's, of course, the physical act that I've already mentioned where a life is taken. But careless words, careless actions, rumours, innuendo, judgment of others can murder someone's spirit or, worse yet, murder their reputation. I think this is what Jesus is referring to. Those times by thoughts or words or actions... That we've intentionally or unintentionally hurt someone else. Sad thing is that many Christians today think they're doing God's work and they end up hurting people. If we take, for example, the recent bishop's report, whichever way that report went, one group was going to be upset. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, I'm not going to decide. But it's the comments and the words that have been shared on social media and in other places that have caused even more damage, I feel, since that report came out. And that's going to continue. That's not finished by any means as we go into General Synod this week. The hurt, the discussions, things are going to be said. Jesus goes through an explanation of careless words, of words that are used as an instant reaction before we've taken a step back and thought. He specifically uses the term raka, which means empty-headed, or in today's language it might mean fool. Jesus is saying that if our anger ever reaches the point of using such language, we're in danger of judgment. Why? Well, the word fool rep- refers to a person who is godless. Proverbs 14, verse 1 says, The fool in his heart says there is no God. In the times when Jesus lived, to call someone else a fool was seen as quite a serious accusation. No one would consider saying such a thing unless anger had almost reached the point of hatred. This can be where ultimately unforgiveness leads. To hatred In today's world, it would be um, comparable with telling somebody else to go to hell and truly meaning it. Or using some other 21st century language which shocks us to the core and which I'm not going to start repeating as I stand here this morning. If unresolved anger and unforgiveness can lead to hatred, then hatred not dealt with can lead to judgment, can't it? And then Jesus adds another challenge to his teaching by saying, if you come to the altar to leave an offering and remember that you have offended another, you go make it right and then come and give your offering. In essence, make it a top priority to be reconciled if you can. Why? Well, in this way, God can use his people to be ministers of grace. God's people are to be quick to attempt to make things right. And in doing so, not only do we reconcile in the relationships that we have, but we give a witness that can lead to healing and restoration for the other. Now, there's unending situations that can cause upset, where offence can take place. I'm going to very loosely group them into two categories, but this by no means covers everything. So this is the first group. Maybe the person we've offended believes that we were unjust or unfair in our treatment of them when in reality we didn't intend to do any harm. That person might have heard or assumed information that isn't accurate that leads to a a false conclusion. Maybe the person looks at the situation and thinks, well, there must be something wrong because... By the time we tell it to one person and it goes to another, it ends up like a very bad version of Chinese whispers. And what we've said might be grossly distorted as it was processed by the individual at the end of the line through the various channels of communication coming from different sources. Our intention might not have been to harm, but our words and actions have given a different appearance through the interpretation of others. Isn't it interesting that we, we often judge ourselves by the intentions and everyone else by their actions? We want to see our motives as pure, but when we filter our motives through the Bible and through prayer, we might start to see them differently. So that's the unintentional hurt. And then there's the other group, of course, of maybe we did sin somehow against Another person, for whatever reason, we've wronged that person, we stand guilty as charged. Does this apply to any of us at this present time? Have there been others that you've hurt or offended somehow? Maybe you didn't realize it at the time. Maybe you didn't think that the actions that you were taking were going to do anything to those that love you. Maybe you didn't care. For whatever reason, the other people were clearly. Wronged. And it's to these people that Jesus sends us to be reconciled with, leave your offering and go, that part of our passage. You might be asking the question, what, what if they're not open to, to reconciliation, what then? Well Paul in Romans chapter 12 says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live in peace with others. It's not always our place to forgive others or to judge them. That is God's role. But we do, as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, have a responsibility to to try and live at peace with others as much as we are able. None of us are going to get it right, myself included. I've had times where I have done things wrong and have upset people and not just members of my family. But I've done my best to try and reconcile. But there's times when I've tried, the other person just doesn't want to know. I have to leave it to God. But we need to remember as well that Jesus' commandment was to love our neighbour as ourselves. And it's this act of restoration that I think is the key. I remember seeing an image of a teapot that had been broken. And then put back together and repaired. But of course you could still see the cracks. But whoever had repaired it had put bits of silver within that teapot. To make it look even more beautiful than it already was. And those cracks, those, that damage, the way it had been restored. Had made it into an even more beautiful thing. The scars are made more beautiful. But they're not ever forgotten. They're still visible. We might find the people we want to make amends with might not be open to it. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't attempt to make peace. Think again about what Paul says in Romans 12. As much as possible, we are to make amends where amends can be made. Remember that key phrase in this verse is as much as depends on you. We're to do everything we can to be reconciled with that other person. But with, with open palms, not with... In the Beatitudes that we find earlier in the the gospel that we had read to us this morning, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. It's worth remembering that he said, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. A peacekeeper would avoid confrontation at all costs to maintain peace, sometimes even at the cost of peace. Truth, Whereas a peacemaker goes in love, confronts where confrontation is needed, bringing truth so that reconciliation can often endure. I think God is this way with us. God is not willing that any of us should perish. God seeks reconciliation. He seeks restoration. He seeks relationship with each and every one of us. Too often we live in regret. If only I'd done this, and then we find it's too late. I think Paul is saying, in essence, be loyal to the word, do what you can, and then leave the rest to God. Being obedient opens an avenue of grace in the lives of those that we ask forgiveness of, and then we can give it to God. <laughs> And this comes with a health and safety warning because with forgiveness with that going with your hands open comes a large amount of vulnerability and there are times that we need a lot of wisdom with this we need to recognize the times when we do need to just walk away to protect ourselves from from further abuse So how are we to approach those we've offended? Well, in humility. There may be times when you totally disagree with the other person. But the willingness is there to consider what's being said or done. Maybe to accept others for who they are, regardless of their beliefs, regardless of their lifestyles, their choices, their personality, their sexual orientation, Remembering that all of us are made in the image of God. And that we have no place to be judgmental of others. But going to those with offended doesn't guarantee that they'll be open to what we're saying. In fact, they might rage. They might vent. They might say exactly what they're thinking. Hearing what they say might not be easy. And we might try to want to defend our actions, but it's remembering to keep your hands, your palms open, not up as fists as much as we can. There's some things the other people might be way off track, but in others they might be spot on. Different situations provide different routes and solutions. But to, to conclude, as we come to the end of considering all this, And I'm not going to give you any answers this morning. I'm just giving you lots to think about, I think. There's two purposes that I can see for going to those that we've wronged, if appropriate. First, to be used by God to be an, an opening, a pathway for grace. And secondly, to be reconciled and restored. If in humility we go to those that we've wronged and say to them, forgive me. I was wrong, then that might be all we can do. If they accept this, the process of reconciliation has started. It won't just happen overnight. It's a long process. If they're not open to forgiving, then it's in God's hands. And we've done all that we can. Remember Paul's words again, As much as it depends on you, live in peace with others. So is there someone that you need to go and make peace with this week? By doing so, you can start the process of freedom while being used by God to extend his grace to others, which, after all, should be the true goal of forgiveness. And just last thing to recommend, if you want to know more about reconciliation that kind of thing, I recommend this book by Wolf, Exclusion and Embrace, because there's a fantastic chapter in there and if you want to know more chat to me over coffee afterwards amen